Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome, everybody, to this week's edition of Irish Illustrated Insider. I'm Tim Priester with Pete Sampson. And it is June 15th, and with the Irish invasion right around the corner, we, we of course, will discuss that here today. But I think we want to start with, Pete, um, I guess the biggest topic uh, in the last couple days, a, I will put quotes around it, a quote controversial statement uh, from Brian Kelly regarding at-risk players. And let, let me read it here first, and then and then you respond or share your thoughts with us. Brian Kelly said in response to a question from the South Bend Tribune, I think we recognized that all of my football players are at risk. All of them, really. Honestly, I don't know that any of our players would get into the school by themselves right now with the academic standards the way they are. Maybe one or two of our players that are on scholarship, said Kelly. Um, I, I have a lot of re- reactions to this, Pete. I don't know. Uh, and, and trying to put something together down on paper that we can put on our website. But just what what was your reaction to it when you heard it? I was surprised because um, it, it felt like, uh, I mean, it was refreshing but surprising. I don't think it was a necessary thing to say. Um, it was honest. I don't know if the whole one or two players would have gotten in is, is accurate. Um, and I'm not sure what direction that that goes like would Corey Robinson or Steve Elmer gotten into Notre Dame without football? Maybe I'm not really sure. Um, but I thought that for a guy who is very political and savvy about what he says, this was a moment. And we, we know Brian Kelly, we've talked to him in kind of big group settings and small group settings. You know, we've talked to him one-on-one we've BSed with him off to the side and when you get them in small groups, that political facade sort of melts away a little bit and you get a little bit more real interaction with him. This interview was done in kind of a one-on-one, one-on-two type setting. So in that way, it doesn't surprise me that's what he said. But for a guy who's really sharp and knows when I say stuff, this is how it's going to be spun. I got to be careful with what I say. That that was probably the most surprising because he knows this is like this sort of gives a, a negative recruiting card that's already out there and enhances its value. I, I also think, well, okay. I mean, how many times does Brian Kelly meet with the media a, a year? 75, 100 times? <laughs> yeah. And I just think that sometimes, I think it's one of two things, okay? I think, one, he just didn't think about the impact, and I want to talk about the impact here in a little bit because I think the impact is is created by the media to a large extent. Or... There was a plea involved here, you know, that we've talked about 12 credit hours in the fall as opposed to 15, and then the paragraph after this is about night games, which is now the second time that he has referenced that, I believe, in the last six months and getting home at 4 o'clock in the morning and and the impact that has on a football team over the long haul. I, I tend to think that it was more he just didn't think of the impact. You know, just think, if we were interviewed... I mean, if we were important, or as or as important as he is, 
and were interviewed and said these things, yeah, they would end up on ESPN, CBS Sports. I, I just think that, you know, here's a comment that's made, and ESPN reports it, or whoever actually reported it first, and then NFL.com writes about it, and then CBS Sports, and then Fox Sports, and then Sports Illustrated, and then everybody tweets and blogs, and is it really newsworthy, or is it just the way we exist now, where it's like a wildfire, you know, it just takes off, and everybody no. has to report it. In June, when nothing's going on, I think that plays a factor in yeah. it. But it's like, there wasn't, I don't think there was really any new ground covered there. Um, it's hard to get in on Notre Dame, and pretty much everybody on the football team wouldn't if they didn't play football. Okay, that's fine. That probably applies almost everywhere. Uh, and I think that, you know, some people around Notre Dame would argue it's like, Notre Dame is looking for people who are exceptional in something, and if that you if Notre Dame was recruiting a exceptional violin player out of high school, they probably wouldn't care if their math grades weren't great. They just wanted them to be part of the university. I don't really buy that reasoning, even though that's I think the way some people feel around Notre Dame. Um, but you could make an argument that. Notre Dame was founded for people who couldn't get into other schools uh, and, you know, is, is supposed to be looking out for people who, you know, can't get the education elsewhere. That's fine. I mean, and I think that the sort of, I think what's interesting, the big picture thing is that Notre Dame has gotten a lot harder to get into and the student body has gotten a lot smarter while the football program and the people on that have sort of stayed the same. Um, I don't, I don't, there hasn't been a big change there and you could argue that that's actually backslid a little bit. Um, that I think is the most interesting dynamic is the gap between the football program and the general student body is probably as great as it's ever been academically. I would agree with that. It's certainly greater than I, when I went to school there, there's absolutely no doubt about that, but here's where, okay, this is where I'm, I'm bothered by things like this. When the, when a statement like that is then perceived to be that, you know, okay, these football players wouldn't have got into Notre Dame, so that means they're bad students. That's not that's not true. They're just not. They're just good, solid, maybe above average, very to very good students. But I mean, everybody right, that applies there is above, above right. that. Right. I mean, a lot, there are a lot of people on the football team who were just okay students out of high school. Correct. If that, I mean, they they've certainly taken some pretty risky kids academically. Since Brian Kelly's been here, I think you sort of change his approach there to to find guys that maybe have a better foundation to to make it once they arrive. But I mean, look, Lewis Nix came from Reigns High School, which is really one of ranked as one of the worst public high schools in the country in terms of academics. He made it through here, which is amazing. Um, you know, some of the guys that they've recruited, whether it be Stefan Tuitt from Monroe County or Aaron Lynch. Um, you know, they've definitely gone after guys from non-traditional high schools and tried to make it work. You know, even, I mean, DeVars Daniels was a risk. Uh, Kavari Russell was a try. He worked very hard in high school, but, uh, you know, wasn't the valedictorian of his of his school. So, I don't know. The, the, I guess I the comments were interesting It mostly because I was surprised that he said it. Um But I, I never want to fall into the media trap that some reporters do where, Someone is brutally honest about something, and then you're editorializing about, like, why did you say that? Why would you be so honest? Because that's, I mean, that's ultimately what we're trying to get to. We're trying to get their their valid, genuine opinions here. I thought Brian Kelly was being 
very genuine in, in what he had to say about again, that. We're not, I mean, we're not breaking new ground with a statement like that. We we know that. And it, it, the other misperception here, for example, you, you guys, you saw the story last week with John Carlson when I mm-hmm. saw him at the uh, uh, fantasy camp, and, and he talked about, you know, I wouldn't have gotten into school at Notre Dame if I hadn't been a, been a football player. Now, his parents are both in education, so this is a... This is a solid quality student, but again, how, how they allow 2,000 freshmen in each year, and I, I'd really need to go look to see how many people apply, but it's probably, it's easily 10 times that. So it's that, that doesn't mean that all the ones that don't get in are bad students. And John Carlson also said, you know, when I got to Notre Dame, I excelled. I had, a, I had four quality, five quality years uh of education, I did well at Notre Dame, and I think, you know, you mentioned all those guys, the Daniels and Russell, and and certainly Lewis Nix is on the low end of that, you know, academically. But I think the John Carlsons are more the norm or closer to the norm across the board. Yeah, no, I would I would agree with that. I mean, I think that you know the Carlson Elmer types, you know, Isaac Rochelle, um, you know, came from a good school down in Georgia. Um, you know, there are a lot of guys like that. I mean, I, I think that, so that's, it's not like every student they take is, is at risk. And I think that that was kind of the, if, if there was something about the comments that I think ran, like rang untrue or rang the wrong way, it was like that he was describing every student as at risk as if none of the students were coming in, none of these football players were coming in with a good educational background, which I I don't think that's what he meant, and certainly that's not true. I don't, no, I don't. I didn't interpret it that way. I, and you're 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 looking at both sides of the, the fence. Or I understand it. I read it and said the guy's simply saying that. Look, man, this is difficult. It can happen to anyone. Yeah, yeah, and that's. I, I think they at risk. What he meant was more like they are having to work their butts off right. all the time because. I know nobody around Notre Dame is going to say they have a part-time job playing football because then they'd be employees, but it's a part-time job uh, at worst. And to come into an academic environment where the everybody else in your class was valedictorian or salutatorian or had a 3-9 and went to this prestigious high school, and you didn't, and then you have a job on top of that where you're getting <laughs> physically beat to shreds right. For a weekly basis, and, and, and going to these I mean, night games, all... coming back at four a.m. I mean, that's I I don't I don't know how these kids keep up uh, in the classroom because the schedule that they have to maintain is physically and mentally and you know emotionally. You're in the national spotlight here. Uh, you know, we're talking about you on this podcast. You're on ESPN. I mean, that's got to be a little bit trippy for an eighteen, nineteen year old, twenty year old. So yeah, I think they're. They're at risk, but they're at risk of these distractions sort of overwhelming them, opposed to they're at risk because they didn't have the academic background to make it. Yeah. I, I, to put a cap on this, we could go on about it because there are many segments to it. But, I mean, I just think that uh, I, I don't think that a comment like this, look, Brian Kelly and the Nordian coaching staff are going to meet one-on-one many times with these individuals and their coaches and their families that will have a much greater impact on whether a player chooses Notre Dame or not than a general statement that makes it in a, in a, in a newsprint and makes it on the internet and the players may or may not even see it. We don't even know that. Yeah, and I think what was interesting because 
it's a it's a negative recruiting card that's already being played. I think that Kelly's comments sort of elevate the value of it from you know a jack to an ace. So that puts it the onus on Notre Dame to how do we counter this? And I think last week on social media you saw Notre Dame come out with sort of a recruiting flyer. Um, Joe Schmidt was on it about how the business school has been ranked number one. The average starting salary for a Notre Dame graduate was was X. Um, you know they've been trying to be very proactive about the money you make and the compensation you're going to be entitled to once you graduate from Notre Dame because you did work hard here and get this degree. So uh, I, I think it, then it, it Brian Kelly's comments sort of ratchet up the rhetoric Notre Dame is to put out in recruiting and be like, okay, it, come here because it's hard. This is what you get at the end. Um, and I think that's, that's really the only counter to it. It's for, if you don't make it in the NFL, you're going to get a six-figure job. Um, that's, I think, where Notre Dame's really trying to hit this hard. And I think, Pete, that Notre Dame's recruiting issues, problems, whatever you want to call them, and where they are at this stage, that's more internal. I mean, that that's more not doing a good enough job of recruiting at the end of the day. The yeah. statement that, that uh, you know, I mean, did Notre Dame get in on Kenny Like early enough? Uh, are there reasons why Notre Dame didn't get in, get in on Kenny Like earlier than they did? I don't know, but I think there are other reasons beyond a blanket statement that a few media outlets picks up that that, that serve as a, as a greater uh, impediment. All right, well, that's it for segment one. We've got three uh, listener questions for segment two, talking a little bit about personalities and leadership, um, also just sort of a general talent, and then we'll talk a little bit about the Irish invasion to close the show in terms of who might commit, who we're most interested to see, and just sort of talk about big picture recruiting there so we'll get into all that next on irish illustrated insider welcome back to irish illustrated insider brought to you by irishillustrated.com segment two questions from our readers and first up is irish doob can you talk about the importance of gaining alpha personalities in Malik Zaire and Kavari Russell on offense and defense? And I think this sort of stems from one of Kelly's comments last week about Kavari Russell being alpha player. And uh, I tweeted that out and even Todd Light retweeted me. So I was quite pleased with my social <laughs> media interactivity. Sure, yes, I'm sure Todd yeah. Light uh, is happy about yeah. that and yeah. agrees with it. I think it's a, it's a great point. It's a good question uh, or a good comment. Uh, no doubt about it. I, and that's why one of the reasons why I felt like all along that, yeah, and I keep saying this, when it's 3rd and 12, that's when you're going to miss Ever Golson. But in the grand scheme of things, I, I don't necessarily think that Nordian's going to lose any more games this year uh, with Malik Zaire quarterback because I think they're loaded around him. And I think that as he grows, he'll continue to get better and better. Uh, hopefully the 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 accuracy of uh, of his throwing continues to improve, which, by the way, was in a film review a long, long time ago, and I got a lot of grief about his accuracy. And it's still an issue with him, but I think it's coming along, and I, there's no doubt. Kavari Russell ties it all together for the Notre Dame defense. Yeah, it's uh, it's interesting. I wrote a story about Malik Zaire last week talking to some of his trainers in sort of the, the Dayton area that he worked with and just how he stood out um, even as a younger player among other guys going Division One at Ohio State, Michigan, Illinois. Uh, and that really... You know, struck them as like this guy just has natural leadership ability and it's interesting you hear from Brandon Wimbush and Miles Boykin the incoming guys and there's there's a real eagerness to fall in behind Malik Zaire from from these players that 
you just never that was just never a concept with Everett Golson that he was gonna you know pick up the offense and like hey follow me everybody not just follow me my couple friends on the team so I think that's gonna be a real positive dynamic I think this is the most natural leader a quarterback that Brian Kelly has had here and it's not close uh and then Kavari Russell is Kavari Russell I think and it's we've talked about this over the last few years that they've had a real sort of I don't know to say it's a leadership void because I think Zach Martin was outstanding um but there's only so much you can do from the offensive tackle position I think he the leadership for those positions I don't want to say it stops at the at the meeting room there, um, but that, there's a lot to manage in that room. I think Malik Zaire is going to have a much bigger picture. I think Kavari Russell going to have a much bigger picture. And it's like, I mean, you can look at the captains from last year. Austin Collinsworth, Cam McDaniel, Nick Martin, and Sheldon Day. Austin Collinsworth barely played last year. Cam McDaniel was the third back. Nick Martin was hurt. Uh, Sheldon Day had injuries and was pretty quiet anyway. Um, now you're you're ratcheting up with a junior Jalen Smith, a senior Kavari Russell, um, you know Malik Zaire on offense. I don't know if he would be a captain necessarily. I mean Nick Martin would be again uh, older, sort of wiser there. But you're going to have bigger personalities there, and your best players finally are going to be your best leaders, which is something Notre Dame has not had since 2012. Yeah, and I think a guy like Sheldon Day, I agree with you. I mean, early in his career, he was very quiet. He was very quiet with us, and I think you saw that personality start to come out last year, and I think it'll take another step this year. But it's like, I don't know if he'll be a captain this year. I mean, could it be Jalen and Kavari? Because I I really think Kavari wants... has there ever been a, a guy that was a captain in Notre Dame that wasn't in in an I don't think that's ever happened. Yeah, I guess we'll I mean we'll see, but it's I, I certainly would not rule that out because I think Kavari's gonna have I, it may be a relief for Sheldon Day that uh Kavari Russell's back because then he can he can talk less and just sort of lead the defensive line. That that may be true. And I, I don't know that there are a lot of natural you know, first of all you talk about Zaire being the best leader quarterback that Brian Kelly has had. I think Tommy Reese was in a much different way, Yeah, but he's the closest to that, mm-hmm. and there really isn't a comparison yeah, in terms and, and of that's, alpha that, personality. Yeah, and that's probably not fair to Reese because I I'm, I don't want to compare uh, senior Reese to what's essentially sophomore Zaire, even though he'd be a junior. But I think Zaire's first year starting – is going to be a lot. There's going to be a lot more leadership that comes out than Reese's first year starting. I, I, there's no doubt. Yeah, I mean, just the nature of their personalities. There's yeah. no doubt. Then you add in Joe Schmidt. Then you add in the return of Jared Grace. I mean, right. you talk about the return of Gavari Russell. Jared Grace is a significant presence and voice on that team. And Joe that Schmidt defense as, as well. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I keep going back to Elijah Shoemate, and he's not, he won't be the same kind of leader as those guys because he really needs to just kind of take care of his business back there. But I see Elijah, Elijah Shoemate as a physical presence leadership back there for them this year. So I think there's plenty of that on defense. And you were, you know, you were talking about the captains from last year. Remember how the great difficult difficulty we had in trying to come up with, well, who are going to be captains yeah. of this team? I think. A year ago, now we were really. Talking about I think it. that's been two straight years right. that we've looked right. at Notre Dame's roster and be like, like, "Okay, who are these?" Right, because who? you don't think of Sheldon Day as a leader per se. We didn't think of Austin Collinsworth as a. No, I think he kind of evolved in that, even though he was banged up most of last year. Cam, so. yeah, I mean, of that group last year, Nick Martin was the only one. You're like, okay, yeah, I got that one. Um, 
but even that he was but then he was injured the whole year and he right. changed positions so that i mean he had his own stuff to deal with and i think even um you know the season before beyond zach martin it was hard to look at that roster and be like okay yeah i, I can figure out who these captains are because yeah, I mean, you can always tell who guys are following. And I think, you know, going back to that team, you, you just didn't really know. Um, this team, I, I think, maybe for the first time since Kelly's been here, I, I think they have they have so much more leadership that, I mean, they could have four captains on yeah. defense. And I wonder, I mean, talent ties into leadership sure. a little bit too, which yeah. will lead us into our next question from Washington D, which is, does – does the 2015 team have the most NFL talent since Lou Holtz roamed the sidelines? And this was a big topic for me a few weeks ago about um, how many draft choices they're going to have over yeah. the next two years. I mean, I wasn't here when Lou Holtz was here. My first year covering Notre Dame was 2001, but uh, I I don't know if it's necessarily close. Um, you know, maybe the 2005 team where you had a bunch of really good tight ends. You had the Fasano Carlson group. Um, that offensive line was good, but I don't think there was – I mean, there wasn't a Ronnie Stanley on that on that offensive line. Um, you know, quarterback is obviously the question. Um, I think running back can be as good if – you know, probably and can be better. Um, you know, receivers not. But defensively, I mean, the, the, those were not great defensive teams at all. Um, you'd be hard-pressed to really pick out some really top talents uh, from that group. Um you know this this team has guys all over the place so i would say for me it's i think easily number 1 you know going back to holtz i'm not sure how it would stack up well i can't go back that far to holtz and faust and divide and <laughs> <laughs> but i would so i think somebody asked asked me this on the uh, on the met on our message board on the four horsemen lounge and it i mean it is the, it's the most talented team since 93 i mean i don't think there's any doubt about it and certainly the 2012 team had some great individuals, which is why they got to the, the, the national championship game. But top to bottom, uh, I don't I don't think there's any doubt about it. Clearly, Brian Kelly feels he has more depth and more talent than he's he's had. Uh, and I think you can when you consider all the the mediocre years in between, you know, the end of the Holtz era and you know the the Brian Kelly era. I, I don't think that it's really difficult to say that's the best since since Holtz. And I would go back to. You know, 93, because after 93, then you saw a significant fall off in 94 for Holtz in terms of talent. And that's where he says, um, you know, I should have kept recruiting harder. I, I kind of mm-hmm. sat back and, and, and let things transpire. So, yeah, definitely. Um, you know, I, I've proposed that there are as many as 20 draft choices between the draft of 2016, 2017. That's a lot. That's a ton. That, that's probably a little Especially bit more Especially after than, one, you know, with Ben Koyak last year. Yeah, I mean, that's... yeah. Uh, but, you know, when I look at, I mean, okay, let me throw some names out here. You, you, uh, let, me, let me throw, I'll throw out a list of offensive names, and you tell me who you don't think is going to get drafted. Okay. Folston, Fuller, Robinson, Procise. I'm going to throw Durham Smythe in there because just the measurables for right now. Nick Martin, Stanley. McGlinchey, Elmer, Nelson, Bars. I may be forgetting somebody. Yeah, I, I look at the only two guys on that list where I'd be iffy about would be, well, maybe three guys would be Smythe, Prosize, and Fulston. Um, and it's not that I don't think 
their NFL talents necessarily. Folston's been banged up. There are a lot of really good running backs. Um, and, you know, pro, pro size, we're sort of all basing this off spring practice. I mean, I, oh, I think they, he, I think he could be great. Um, so, I mean, those would be the three, but I think, I think the entire offensive line and Alex bars will get, will be NFL players. Uh, you know, I think that Robinson and Fuller will as well. I think the guy where I would probably most strongly disagree with you with of the three that you mentioned is Procise. Okay. I mean, this is a guy that, and I know, I mean, we're, yeah, we're look, we're saying, okay, look how versatile he is. He can play running back based upon the spring. But in um, and one of the fun things about doing the A to Z's is you kind of unearth, unearth some things that maybe you didn't consider. If you take away the 78-yard touchdown reception Procise had against Navy, he still led the team in yards yeah. per catch. He was over, he was like 12 yards per rush because of that 50-yard run against LSU, but he was still 9.3 in the other, you know, granted, only 10 carries. But 200, he played at 220 last year. He's probably going to play closer to 225 or 30 this year with the speed that he has and now the ability to carry it and catch it. I mean, probably the least natural thing for him has been catching it, if you remember when he came over. From safety, but I mean, I just think that there's an athlete in there, a big, fast athlete that's going to be very attractive to the NFL. Yeah, I don't, uh, I don't disagree with that at all. I just, I, it's hard for me to look at offensive skill position players and really know where they project. Um, I think like offensive linemen, you sort of get because you, when you watch other teams play, you're like, well, they don't have offensive linemen that look like Notre Dame. There are a lot of teams that have offensive skill players that look like right. Notre Dame, so that's why I just have a hard time with running the backs. The responsibility of, of from one offensive line set to another teams is pretty much the same. Whereas yeah. skill position, all right. So let me throw out I'll throw out some defensive names and you react to those. Uh, Sheldon Day, Isaac Rochelle, Romeo Aquara, and I would think that he'd probably be a candidate not to be drafted. Um, Andrew Trombetti, very early. Uh, Gerard Jones, Jalen Smith, Niles Morgan, Cole Luke, Kavari Russell, Elijah Shoemate, and Max Redfield. Uh, I mean, Again, I may be, yeah, maybe missing a player or two here. Definitely not Okwara and Trombetti. Um, Rochelle, probably, especially based off his season last year. Um, you know, Day, yes. Gerard Jones, yes. Um, Jalen Smith, duh. Um, you know, Niles Morgan physically is so impressive. It's hard to imagine him not, you know, continuing to develop and play his way, you know, up, up the ranks. Russell, obviously. Shoemate and Luke, I think so. Um, you know, Cole Luke, I thought had a really good sophomore year up until the very end when he dropped off quite a bit. Um, but again, I kind of look at Cole Luke, does he, is there anything he does that's like exceptional that would separate him from other corners? I, I don't know. Um, Kavari Russell, yeah. You know, and Elijah Shoemate's that the same way. There are a lot of safeties that look like him. There aren't a lot of safeties that look like Max Redfield, um, you know, with that, that length and height. So there's, um, but I, I, I don't know. Luke and Shoemate seem like they have NFL ability to me, whether they get drafted or right. not. Trump, Trumpetti and Aquara, I, I don't, 
I don't see them having the upside to go on past. Notre I mean, Dame. ultimately, we can go. We can go through as we've done. We can go through here and say, no, I don't think so. No, I don't think so. But the big picture of the question, <laughs> yeah. which is a 2015 uh, NFL talent on on this roster, it, it's extensive, and, yeah. and that that gives you great hope for what's going to happen in 2015. Unfortunately, a large portion of that will be gone by 2016. And that, that then presents a different equation. But a lot of tell on this team. We'll wrap up today with uh, some recruiting. And it's a question from Helmet622, and it's with regard to this Friday. With Irish Invasion this weekend, it looks like Nordings' biggest recruiting event till USC. Who are some guys that you think uh, we can put on commit watch? And who are some of the guys you feel who you feel this visit will have an impact on and bump Notre Dame up to the lead pack? Yeah, it's... Um... As we're talking about the talent turnover, that's why this weekend is so important for Notre Dame. Um, you know, the guest list is, to me, much more impressive than it was last year. It also has to be because last year they had 12 commits going into invasion. This year they have six and one's from a long snapper. So um, Notre Dame knows it's behind and needs to make up ground. That is, and Friday night will be a huge, huge part of that. I mean, the guys that I would put on commit watch, um, you know, between Chacho, Uloa, and Javon McKinley, I'm I'm not saying either of them are going to commit. They both have, but they both have official visits scheduled for the season already. Um, I like their position with both those guys. I'll be curious what happens with uh, Chase Claypool, the Canadian receiver. Um, Matt Bockhorst is a junior offensive lineman from Ohio that's been here a bunch. Is just sort of drooling over a Notre Dame offer. If they come through and, and offer them, I think that he'll be the guard in that class. Yeah, I wish they could get other positions yeah. readily. Yeah. To get and then, um, you know, Aquino Kriki from Tennessee, I think he's a guy that that's for sort of in the second part of this question, who's a guy that, you know, Notre Dame could really make a huge impression on and move into the lead pack. He would be a guy I like. I like him a lot. Um, you know, Brock Wright is another guy that people should really keep an eye on. I feel pretty good that he's going to be in Notre Dame's next class, the class of 2017. He's a tight end from Texas uh, who already has offers from Texas and Alabama. Um He's will probably be the number one tight end next year, at least top two or three. Uh, Notre Dame's in great, great position there early. Uh, and then a, a guy I'm curious to see is Chase Pine, a linebacker from Virginia. I haven't offered him. Um, got a pretty good offer list. Uh, rates Notre Dame very highly, and we'll see if he performs well to to earn an offer on Friday night. So. There is going to be a ton of players to watch. I'll be out there. Jake will be out there. Our Anna Hickey will be out there. Jack will be out there. You might be out there. It's um, There's just going to be a lot of guys to cover. It's a really interesting event. Um, so it should be, look, there's, I don't know if they're going to get anybody immediately. It, they definitely need to get some momentum going. And it, it could just be a couple guys. Um but they, they need to make a, a big impression on a lot of these visitors. I wish we could put these guys in numbers. That, that's <laughs> Our biggest issue is getting you know, being able to identify these people. You got to know their high school helmets. That was a trick last yeah. year. Yeah, and I haven't brushed yeah. up on that yet, so I would strongly recommend yeah. that you and everybody yeah. else do that between now and, and then. Okay, that's it uh, today for uh, Irish Illustrated Insider. We were without... Tim O'Malley today, a little bit under the weather, but we should have him back next week on Monday, June 22nd, when we talk mainly about uh, what we had an opportunity to see at the Irish Invasion. I'm Tim Priester with Pete Sampson, and this has been Irish Illustrated Insider, brought to you by irishillustrated.com.